Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to Sincere Tweets. I'm Duncan Carson. I'm here with Catherine Hutchins. Say hello to... Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on the show. I... When the pandemic started, <laughs> I decamped out of Austin and went to stay with my sister for a while in Tucson. And uh, I spent most of the year out of town. And there was this weird thing where, like... I felt like I just became sort of Twitter friends with a bunch of people that happened to be up at the same random hours. Because uh-huh. I'd like get up and like play with my nephew and then like take an edible with dinner and then watch TV. And then it's still like you got to kill 11 p.m. to 2 in the morning somehow. Yeah. Uh, and there were like five or six people that just seemed to be always in my like Twitters in case you missed it that summer. Like you, Bobby S., Bobby Zagovia, oh, yeah. Emma Holder, a lot of the Fallout crowd. Mm-hmm. But I, because I, I remember thinking, like, boy, I've never actually spoken to this person, not at length anyway. Yeah, maybe in passing. But you just, you know, here and there. We've certainly met before 2020. Yeah. I can't recall when or where. But uh, I enjoy I enjoy your Twitter presence. It really helped me get through this summer along with a few other people. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot, especially. Um, Considering during the pandemic, Twitter was all I had. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah, terms yeah. of like uh, jokes or joke writing or just like having a funny thought and then it being validated by yeah. strangers. That was very important <laughs> to me too. Yeah, in the immediate aftermath of everything falling apart. Mm-hmm. Were you working through the the whole pandemic? I believe I was. So you're just working. Yeah, I was. Um, I was nannying. Um, I worked as a nanny for a long time. And with this family, um, I was with them through 2019. And then the pandemic happened. And, (laughs) you know, they still needed someone to watch their child. And though what made it a little more complicated was uh, the parents transitioned to working from home. Sure. So we were all there. Ouch. All day, every day for, you know, a year and a half or so. (laughs) And, um, oh my God. After I, I, let's see, I guess it was around this time last year, I was like, I just cannot take this anymore. (laughs) So I quit. Um, and, uh, I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) Still, still just finding my way. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, like, I, took a layoff from my job because it was in travel at the time and that all fell apart but i can't imagine just then your full-time nannying and the parents are at home yeah it was really crowded yeah and you kind of feel like they're always watching you or monitoring you which even if everything is going great it yeah. still doesn't feel good to be watched it's no good <laughs> it's just not fun and, <laughs> and they're you know they're good people. They're fine people. Sure. But are they people I would choose to hang out with ever? No. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I had the, I mean, like, I had the opposite experience, I guess, because I, I thrive around other people. And all of a sudden, my job was like, well, we all got to work remote. And we owed a bunch of people, like, refunds for stuff that was not happening. Mm. And we didn't have the money. So all of a sudden, it was like, you're, best job you've ever had is now you alone in your room getting yelled at by people that you owe money to yeah that sounds awful i was like i've done enough of that in my life (laughs) ah man well so how long because you've been doing like sketch and improv and 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 stuff for quite some time yeah but how how long have you been doing uh the old stand-up comedy specifically um I got, I really got started, I guess, 2019 for the most part, Hmm. really was like when everything kind of got rolling and then the pandemic happened and everything stopped, you know, immediately, at least for me. Uh, I don't think it stopped for for Uh, some people, but. (laughs) Some some people was more of a speed bump. Uh Other people was more of a full stop. Yeah. Like myself. I don't know. uh, I try not to be harsh, but 
I know. It's especially now. I'm just. I. I, yeah. I was really. I think, all time high judgmental, for a while there, um, and now I'm just uh, like, what? Just do what you. Whatever you gotta do. You know. It's yeah. It, there was like May 2020. I think I saw somebody. I think they were like kind of joking. They were like, "Hey, my open mics is still happening." I think they were obviously kidding, but I got so fucking mad. There was a not funny last year. Uh, yeah, it must have been. Yeah, it had to have been last year. I saw maybe in one of the Facebook groups, like, "Oh, this week's mics is canceled because of the Super Bowl." (laughs) (laughs) And like that kind of stuff, I think is just really. Funny. Or like um. <laughs> I was actually out of town during the 2021 freeze. Oh my god! In February oh, of that I year, completely just blocked all that out of my. Head. But I remember seeing people <laughs> being like, "Oh, no open mic tonight because of the conditions," and I'm like, "Oh, so you won't risk people's lives to do an open mic mm-hmm. this week?" It's a very sliding <laughs> scale. I feel like I honestly have a little bit of weird. I was in Wisconsin where my parents live when it froze here. Yeah. And I I really feel like I missed out. Not like I would have been helpful or or knew it, know anything. The grid doesn't fail in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah I, but just everybody went through a thing and I was like, oh. <laughs> it was we were all trauma bonded. Big ass <laughs> trauma bonding experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we uh we lost power for probably 3 or 4 days. Um Thankfully, me and my roommate, were, we were able to shelter with, with friends who had power. Okay. Um, so it, and, and, you know, we didn't have any damage. I, I had some friends whose pipes burst and all their stuff got wet. And yeah. we did, all of our plants died and we never replaced them and we never got rid of them either. So there's just a bunch of dead plants on our porch. To this day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been, <laughs> it's been over a year. Maybe... It's very like great I, expectations or something. Like just throw them out. Yeah, I'm just some just Miss Havisham hold up in my <laughs> in my wedding dress. I read it. It uh, I went to I went to ninth grade once. We <laughs> look. We've all been in ninth grade. We've all been in ninth grade. We all remember reading books that made no sense at the time. Yeah, schools are really bad at picking out books that are <laughs> relevant and like kids would be actually interested in right because what what 15 year old gives a fuck about great expectations like what did i take away from that that if you don't get married and you're old that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you fate worse than death yeah yeah that's what i took away just like being poor or whatever oh yeah because that's bad honestly or like think about like hey a bunch of 14 year olds why don't you read romeo and juliet about what love is like. Talk. I mean, you burn yourselves out, and yeah, that's not. Then kill you, kill, kill yourself. You know. That's not a good example of. It's essentially like. <laughs> is it any worse than Twilight as far as like mm. toxic relationships? Maybe you know. I mean, maybe like it's less bad because you can tell it's like literature. You know, it's like. I don't remember yeah, like it's Shakespeare because it's respected. It's very Shakespearean yeah. and like blah, you know, like like stagey or whatever. I don't remember relating to Romeo or anything. But when you think about it, it is like people like freshmen in high school age that yeah. meet one another and then within like seventy two hours have killed themselves <laughs> because they couldn't be together. <laughs> it takes place in like three days. I do uh I I do remember a lot of like high school romances or the ones around me because i i never had any hmm. um and i just remember even then getting really annoyed at like kids would be like we've been together for three months sorry <laughs> three month anniversary <laughs> and back even back then i was like so stupid it's if you've made it a year great sure yeah it's great i don't know i even I... think it's crazy to celebrate anniversaries if you're not married just keeping track of that i don't yeah i feel like in most people at this point in your life like when do you start counting from oh, you know yeah. oh man it, yeah like, marriage anniversaries i get because like that's the date we got married right 
but I <laughs> I can't if you've asked every person I've ever dated, we would not give the same answer as, as far as when we started dating. Right? <laughs> you know. Who even knows when it's a date anymore? I don't you know. I certainly didn't know in high school either. That was Yeah. That was very foreign to me. No, I was I was longing <laughs> for <laughs> For romance and Longing experiencing none of it. <laughs> for an Edward Cullen of your own to watch your window overnight. Oh, jeez. But that's romantic somehow. No. No, it's so not. And I, I was right. I was in high school during the Twilight phase, too. Sure. Um, And that was, I mean, that took a hold of everybody. I was uh, in college. I was dating somebody who was like she wanted to go into information science so she was really into ya stuff and almost like demo anthropologically i was like i gotta read these books to see why they're so fascinating and i read like three of them that's most of them that's most right? of them there yeah. four? i gave up at four <laughs> I, you didn't want to see what happened they're so weird you didn't There's... want to see the weird like vampire army no. and the, like vampire vatican and all that I, I think by that point in time like wikipedia had caught up to reality i could oh. just spoil the rest of it but they're they're nuts, and then but then she did that whole one that was from like his perspective, and all of his stalking behavior was even worse than it, it led on in the first Twilight book. Anyway, so that would be like less than two years, really. You've really been doing stand up, is that? Yeah, you yeah. Cut, you cut that whole pandemic out of the middle there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not uh, not for that long. So I'm still kind of uh. Yeah, I'm just I'm still new, figuring it out, figuring out um, what I'm doing, what I want. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? You know, let's go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just know what led to the, you know, I, uh, there's a lot of people that stick with one, you know, art form or, or sketch or, or whatever. I've I've always wondered what the improv side of things is like in a certain way. Like a... Like, like, in as far as like the trajectory, or not the trajectory, just so much as like people like like there's an age old thing where people are like, oh, stand up is so brave, right? I, first of all, no thank, you, <laughs> right? I could objectively view of stage, I guess I understand, but it has always seemed more intimidating to me to be like, and we were kind of talking about this in the hall at my show the other the other week, where it's just like to be loose and unguarded in a room full of like six people, very difficult for me, you know, just to be like off the cuff and stuff. Mm -hmm. The six people being <laughs> the other improvisers or? The other improvisers, yeah. <laughs> okay. And maybe a crowd also at some point, but but yeah. even just the like, I took one-on-one and like the warm-up stuff and the. Oh, the war yeah, no, they're humiliating. It's humiliating. It's humiliating, especially in the beginning. Improv warm-ups, <sighs> I, I don't have any proof of this you know i i'm not one of those people who reads like you know the improv <laughs> literature that is out there sure um, but i i truth and comedy i read it <laughs> i suspect that improv warm-ups were invented specifically to humiliate you <laughs> just you. so you get used to that feeling and being comfortable with it yeah. or maybe even like moving past it because i think if you're afraid of embarrassing yourself you're gonna be really bad at improv that's the heart of it. Because I I think you just have to be willing to be goofy and silly and stupid because to me that stuff is the funniest. Yeah, it's I'm, not cool. Improv is not cool. <laughs> not, I, you know, and you can't, if you want to be cool, if you want to be thought of as being cool, it's near, improv is not for you. You heard it here first. <laughs> But that's that's like. And I don't mean to shit talk improv. I, I love it. I, I I love it more than most anything. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I mean like that's where I feel like because people are like, oh you're so brave to do stand up in front of people. I'm like yeah, but you have total control. Yeah, you have a, a whole thing prepared. You have a whole thing prepared. Yeah. And even like, because I I I would say that I improvise on stage, but it's still like within the parameters of oh you guys didn't like that one, huh? Okay. 
Yeah. And you have some sort of prepared way to go with that. Or like you can bring this like awareness of how it's going at all times mm -hmm. that improvisers can't because you guys actually have to commit to the scene sort of. Yeah, but we, we know how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not so deep in it that we can't tell that the audience is not into what we're doing. Right, but you can't. <laughs> Then, I mean, I guess you can like edit the scene and like bail or whatever. Oh, yeah. But you, I will, I feel lost without the ability to turn to the crowd like the bird on the Flintstones and be like, oh, this sucks, doesn't it? You know? Like, yeah. Well, let me tell you, you can still do that at improv. Yeah. How does that yeah. go down? Well, like, like you brought up the edits, like when a scene is not going well, mm -hmm. you know, you can just edit it. But you, I don't, I mean, People think differently about it, and and some people think like you should never really acknowledge the audience. Don't acknowledge that you're doing improv because like you know commit to the character and to the scene. But I mean, I'm here to make people laugh, and I'm here to make my friends laugh, and I'm here to laugh. So like, if being like no, no, this is this sucks, like <laughs> new scene, like I think that can kind of save it and turn it around. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's just kind of what I like to do. Cause I, it's that's why not acknowledge that we're doing this silly, stupid, this done is, thing. This I, is silly to be doing. I think it kind of, at least for me, it makes me feel like I'm not here doing this for an audience. Like we're all here together, yeah. Kind of getting on board for this thing. So like, if I kind of acknowledge, like, hey friends, this 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 sucks. Let's kind of move on. Like I don't know. I think it. <laughs> Hopefully, it makes me feel connected to the people who are watching. Did you... What feels worse? When an improv set is not going well or bombing as a stand-up individually? I, bombing as a stand-up, for sure. Yeah? Feels worse. Okay. Yeah, because if a scene's not going well in improv, it's not all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of everybody's fault and it's not as like it it's less hurtful on t for your ego you know yeah. like we all have um and you know like i said if a scene's not going well you can just end it but if a joke's not going well it, i still kind of have to finish it yeah like i can't you know it's weird if you're just like eh, you know what never mind i'm gonna talk about <laughs> something else now <laughs> like I've done that. I mean, like every now and then, you get you. You just gotta like it's something is going so badly. There's like I think once I was just like straw Paul guys. Do you guys want me to finish this bit? <laughs> we don't have to do this. We don't have to be committed to this. I mean, so how long had you been doing like comedy at at the old new movement and stuff before all all the pandemic started? I, let's see, I took my first uh, sketch class uh, fall of 2015. Wow. Yeah, I started out, um, I took a sketch class, and uh, I got more involved with the new movement. And they, back then, there was uh, more of a sketch program. Um, there were just, there was just more sketch happening, so there were more people doing it, and and I found myself like meeting other writers and, and forming groups. And um, I, uh, I, joined, I joined the show called The Neighborhood. I don't know if you remember it. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was in the neighborhood for a while, a bi monthly, twice monthly sketch show that was at the New Movement. Um, and so for a while there, I was just, you know, writing, writing, writing and rehearsing. And, and soon enough, you know, if you want to write sketch, you also kind of have to be in it because there's not a surplus of people who can <laughs> who are willing to be in sketches. Um, and uh, after a while of doing that, I started taking improv classes, and then I was just you know doing a lot of improv. So why stand up? Why now? Well, it kind of happened accidentally. Um, just found yourself up there. Well, yeah. Woke up on stage, <laughs> you know? Um, Happens to everybody. It was actually um, old uh, Nick Saverino reached out to me um, wanting to know if I 
wanted to do the show low and inside because um, it was all wow uh, like one-liners and he sure. he told me he liked my twitter and he thought that i would be okay on this show so he booked me on it and i just read a bunch of my tweets and after i think maybe i did two or three low and insides and then i just started getting booked on stand-up shows what? <laughs> from just reading tweets yeah That's... so then i had to like actually write like you know bits or jokes yeah things like that that's incredible, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Just based on your Twitter presence. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm I'm terrible at that show. I get very few things that worked as one-liners. And then there's something about the like put on the spot context that my energy just didn't. Yeah. I never got like a hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's very dangerous to have quantifiable things. In a very like subjective egocentric thing to be doing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What I liked about that show was, I mean, there were so many jokes that weren't hits, but I thought were so great. Yeah, like audiences are wrong some of the time. They're frequently wrong, <laughs> especially at the Velveeta Room. Hey, <laughs> uh, especially in that format. Wow. So you've never even done the contest or anything like that because it hasn't been around. No. no, I actually signed up for it. Sure. Um, right before everything shut down. 2020. Yeah. yeah. So. The year that I was going to win. And then. I know. <laughs> the pandemic hit. If only a worldwide pandemic hadn't. Sure. Killed all those people. Duncan Carson would have been the funniest person else in 2020. <laughs> That's the real tragedy. Not a million people dying. That was worth saying. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, like, so, and I, and, and I'm interested because, you know, you're you're getting into all this stuff. You seem very committed to the the whole comedy lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you do you, do you have any sort of loose ambitions for the for the future? You know what I mean? Not to be like, where do you see yourself in five years? But. but uh. But like, what's what? What would be ideal? You know, what are you thinking? Well, it's so hard to say. Hmm. I mean, this um, you know, this this world, comedy in general, improv, sketch writing, stand up, whatever. I mean, it's all I want to do. Yeah. Um, what that looks like in the future, I don't, I don't know, because I've, I feel like I've, I've done. Like I've done it all, locally anyway, you know, in this small world anyway. I've, I've seen done it all. all. Seen it all. No, I mean, you know, I've, I just feel like I could be happy doing so many different things. Yeah. So it's hard to pick a direction. So I'm just kind of. You're telling me. I don't have any direction at all. <laughs> so, um, I mean, just making a living would be nice sure. one day. Yeah. How How I get there. It's really like the making a living thing is just such a drag. It's so hard. It sh- it shouldn't be hard. this hard. It shouldn't, right? Right? Yeah. Or there just should be more things in life that are guaranteed, like food and shelter and medical care that may be. Oh, medical care would be such a huge weight off. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I'll, just, I'll be broke otherwise if that were like taken care of. You know, what am I going to have kids? I don't care. You know, like just just figure it out, but uh, so but I mean so because I'm I'm the longer I'm here in this city, it's kind of like where do I put my energy? Mm-hmm. You know, there's clearly too much of it in general. Yeah, but lately I feel like the less I actually pin my hopes on specific, like oh I got to make this show next or. You know, I got to get work on the road because I haven't done that in a while or whatever it is. It just kind of sorts itself out in the wash. Yeah. Yeah. Realize that wasn't really a question or anything. <laughs> I was waiting for it to turn into a question. Um, well, I just mean like, you you know, you went through the whole job thing. And yeah. You're, you're sort of, but like, what would an ideal creative living be? I mean, just ballpark it, you know? Do you want to write for a TV show? You wanna 
tour as a stand-up comedian? Uh, I don't want to tour as a okay. stand-up comedian. Seems miserable. Yeah, that's not the life I want to live. I think because I don't, I don't love travel. I love seeing a new place. Yeah. But the whole getting there, getting back. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the airport, just or yeah, no, I I don't like it. So no, that's yeah. I think it's easier maybe to say what I don't want to do. Okay. Um. Yeah, writing writing would be great if uh if i were self-disciplined enough to like write on you know what i mean like yeah i uh i have I, no discipline of my own no it's hard and i i'm just not an especially ambitious person hmm. i mean i have dreams and goals and things but i'm not like i'm just not the kind of like i'm gonna work and 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 work my way up the whatever and i'm gonna Grind and and <laughs> rise gonna, and grind. You know, I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm just not. You're exactly who yeah. Kim Kardashian was talking about. Yeah, I don't want to work. Of course, I don't. Who wants to work? Who wants to work? Work is for chumps. <laughs> and even if you're doing something you love, it's still work. Turns into you work. You still have to do it. I get very resentful of anything I have to do, even if I want to do it. But if I, you know what I mean? Like, I have to. It's like, well, it's that classic, like, don't tell me to clean my room because I was going to clean my room Mm -hmm. until you told me to do it. Now I'm not going to. Right. You know. Don't tell me to have health insurance. (laughs) I wanted to until you mentioned it like I should. Well, I guess then, in the broader sense, you want to make a great living of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. What I should really prepare these questions better because then when I think of them, I'm like, these are the most pretentious ways to put it. But I'm like, if you want to be a creative person, what do you want to say? What do I want to say? Yeah. Huh. Like a like a definitive statement? Like what? No, just like what types of things? What who who are your idols? My idols. Um, growing up, humor-wise, I was really into David Sedaris. Sure, yeah. So his his writing style and his, you know, himself as an essayist, I think, really inspired me. Um, me Talk Pretty one day was... Oh, my God. Uh, that, I feel like just... I mean, at the time, you know, I was, what, 15, 16 years old when I read it for the first time, and it... I was like even younger and very in my head about what was a more prominent lisp at the time. But I still like I still sort of have it and it's just I literally like remember that book being like, Yeah, I think I don't care anymore. Yeah. It's just that must have been it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just kinda really identified with the (laughs) with the humor. Oh, and the humor, of course. Um, and it kind of felt like, you know, it was this very kind of adult, seemingly kind of sophisticated material that I I was really drawn to as, as a kid. I wanted to feel like, you know, I mean, as a teen, you, you're you look, looking for the things that make you feel like an adult. And I think that was definitely one of them. Yeah, wow. Hence Twilight and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like I feel like it's like there's things that resonate with you because they're what you think adults sound like, kind of like you were saying. And I just think, see, I would guess that as a teenager, you were a little less, you know, you're a little more mature than most people that like the Twilight books of the same. I I I definitely like to think of myself as more mature because. Sure. Yeah, all the girls around me were reading Twilight, and I was like, well, I'm better than this, and uh, I'm not reading Twilight. I'm reading uh, cool, I'm reading David Sedaris, and I'm reading Running With Scissors, and I'm reading, you know, I don't know, what what else was I into back then? (laughs) Fan fiction, a lot of actually, mostly, which is way more like Twilight than anything else. Yeah, well. Um, But... I've thought a lot about this, and especially as 
watching the Twilight movies as an adult, like recently. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, actually, like getting a decent amount of enjoyment out of them, and not not even just because they're bad, but I I've thought a lot about you know who I who I was as a teenager and how I was shunning all of these teen mm-hmm. things, teen girl things being too good, too cool, too mature whatever. I I wasn't too cool or too mature. I just wanted to be yeah. and I like kick myself for not letting myself enjoy teen stuff when it was appropriate. You know, like I I, don't know, I didn't watch the OC or <laughs> I don't you know. <laughs> Years wasted, man. Yeah. Well, I don't, just I should just let myself I th- be a I teen think girl. I think about that a lot too, but I think for me it was like when I was 15 all the other dudes were into like limp biscuit and stuff. <laughs> and I was right not to agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that that whole like Woodstock 99 shit. Oh. I wanted no part of that when I was 15 years old. That's no, that was a good call. That was the right call. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what the dudes at my school were into. And I'm like, I'm gonna just play drums in the basement with my pal to like indie rock that no one's heard of and be a nerd. But uh Yeah, so I, I just mean like so you know, I heard like Mitch Hedberg when I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was this big sort of like this is the coolest thing imaginable. But it wasn't until a few years later I heard uh, feeling kind of Patton, Patton Oswalt's mm-hmm. first album that I had so, sort of like a vision of like, well, I could do, I could talk like that about pop culture stuff because I was a huge pop culture snob at the time too. Um, so is there anything that you point to as like, like, oh, I, I got to do comedy because this thing resonated with me in a certain way? Um. Well, I was all, I mean, I've always loved comedy, even since I was like a little kid. Mm. All I ever wanted to do was laugh and make people laugh. But that, I never really considered that, like, oh, I could do this really until college. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of stand up specials and, and TV and, and movies, and, you know, just comedy in general. Just, you know, I felt like, and especially, that time, you know, at least for me, probably like 2008 to 2012, I felt like, you know, like Jim Gaffigan, sure. felt like a lot of his specials that were like, you know, really resonated with me at the time. Dimitri Martin at the time. Yeah. Person that like 16 year old Catherine, that was like the coolest, <laughs> hippest, smartest thing I had ever seen. Ah. Uh, He's that, drawing on a pad. Oh and man! He's playing this little, these little bells. That dude. Soft. I thought that dude was like a genius. Yeah. I still think he is, but yeah, like, I, yeah, I still think he's great. But yeah, for, for at, at the time, I was like really blown away. And like, oh, he's all into palindromes and shit. Like, he'll come up with crazy long ones. And yeah, that was another one that made me feel like I was smart yeah. for enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was just. An important feeling for me <laughs> as, a, as a younger person. Uh, um, but it wasn't until uh, college when, you know, there were little open mics uh, in my college town. Um, and my boyfriend at the time started going to them and, like, doing comedy there. and I And I was so, like, close to it that I thought, oh, I... I could do this. Literally six feet away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Was he any good? Well, I don't know because I didn't really, I think so. At the time I thought he was and like Mm -hmm. he was so funny and still is probably. I I haven't haven't talked to him in a a long time, but um, yeah, so funny. I don't know if he's still doing stand-up, but. But that's yeah, kind of what got actually doing comedy started. Yeah, kind of the idea. Yeah. I like yeah. That was uh, I was twenty one in college and saw there was like an open mic, and like talked too big of a game for my my friends were like, well then do it if you feel like you'd be better at it. Oh okay, you were 
yeah. talking a lot of shit. Where where was this? In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, oh. where I went to high school and college. Uh, and I was like, ma- I majored in creative writing, so it was very like oh. put up or shut up kind of deal. And I wrote way too much. I wrote like twelve minutes, and they were like, "You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go, bud." You know. And I thought you had to write new material every week. It's it's a whole thing. But uh, what'd you study in college? Psychology. Wow. Yeah. Does that come up a lot? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> in the not in the nannying or you know comedy. No. 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 Um, Why psychology? Well, I. A similar kind of a. Uh, my boyfriend was studying psychology. No, <laughs> no, he was <laughs> he was a trauma major. Um, it, a similar kind of like, well, I I feel like I could study all kinds of things, and I have to pick something. And um, I always liked psychology. I I took, you know, like an intro class in high school, and I was uh in therapy since I was a middle schooler. <laughs> so, um, and my mom's a therapist and it's, um, ah. it's kind of always, just kind of always around. And I was interested in enough to do it. And I thought, Oh, maybe I could kind of do what my mom does and go down that path. We'll see. So I just picked a major and, you know, then I realized, Oh, if I, I probably shouldn't go to grad school for something, I'm just kind of, kind of like, you know, yeah. it's a, a whole commitment and a bunch of money that is i wish i could go back and switch to psychology that would that would seem more substantial than just like writing workshops where you see if i could go back i would major in creative writing or um what do we call it radio television and film or or something relevant to my interests (laughs) which is what i should have done film school or something yeah yeah yeah, if I could go back, I definitely would put that money towards something I actually really liked. But did you get good grades in high school? I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, not crazy. I mean, A's and B's. You know, it's normal. Wasn't valedictorian or anything. But. Well, who's who's got that kind of time? <laughs> you know what I mean? Julie Chang does. Uh, she yeah. was our valedictorian. Raj Gander, who's a friend of mine. But I, I took a weird sort of pride in being like top 10% of my class despite not trying very hard. I'm sure. Did you uh, Did you go to a big high school? Mm, it's like 1,300 people. Okay. Is that big? Okay. I don't know. My, How many people? There were like 300-some people in my class. Okay. See, so yeah, my graduating class was 1,800 people. Whoa. Okay. Because <laughs> I went to high school in Plano. Um, wow. So uh, it's a giant suburb. And yeah, I was, you know, I got A's and B's. I was like maybe in the top third, or, you know, like <laughs> not even, you know. <laughs> that's that's so many. That's, I'm talking like top 30 out of 300. It's not that, it's not that crazy to me. But I, I feel like it was just like, I I got to college and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like math is my best subject, so... I was majoring in that. In math? In math. Can you major in math? You can just, major in math. It's just called math? Yes. <laughs> you don't have to pick a math. What do you mean pick a I math? I don't like calculus or I don't know, algebra. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a, it's a whole subject. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it just seems like. I guess it does sound like majoring in science or something. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. make you pick a science. No, you can just major in math. And, right. uh I I immediately stopped caring. I was like, I don't like this. I just went to like a good high school and I'm good at being forced to be in a class and then getting, you know, multiple choice tests Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I was a, I liked school. I was a good, I was a good test taker. Mm -hmm. I could write an essay. I was like good at school also, you know, without really trying that hard. I honestly, when I was set to graduate college, I was... Kind of like, is that, I mean, is that it? They're what? just going to give me this. I don't have to do anything else. There was no, I was like, did I miss an entire, like, portion of the things you're required to do to get a degree? Because this, 
doesn't really feel like I earned it. Def- well, I mean, to like, be honest, no offense, to University of Arkansas, but uh, like, yeah, I want you. He's gonna give this to me. You, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and I feel like it's just like the first two years are like the last years of high school again, mm-hmm. and then once you're like, I feel like by the time I was like, okay, I feel like I'm getting the hang of this writing program. They're like, well, you're done. I'm like, what? Yeah. All right. I, I guess I'll get a job and figure my shit out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that one day. <laughs> How'd you end up here, here after uh, Arkansas? I uh, followed a boy. Yeah. I followed a boy here. Not the comedy guy. No, different no. guy. Just <laughs> <laughs> not somebody that moved here to do stand-up within the last 10 years. Is that no. It? No. No. I, um, no, I, I, I lived... I moved back to Dallas after I graduated and lived at home for about a year. Sure. And the guy I met there had was like already planning on moving here, and then you know how it goes. I wanted to, I wanted to get the hell out of DFW. Yeah. So you know I was like, this is a pretty good excuse. I uh, you know I moved around a couple times growing up, so. By the time I got to, like, I went to high school in Milwaukee, and then all my friends were like, we got to fucking blow this one horse down. I was like, well, I like it. You know, I feel like I have a city of my own, finally. Mm-hmm. So I went to college there, too, a couple of years after. And then I was like, well, now I have to go somewhere else. Yeah, did you immediately come here? I did, 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you pick Austin, Texas so far? Uh, well, my sister went to UT. Because uh-huh. we had lived in Houston before Milwaukee, and she went to high school there, so a lot of her friends went to UT, and mm-hmm. then just oh, the city's so great, you know, you'll love it. She was trying to get me. She was living overseas and trying to be like, I'm moving back. We should get an apartment, and I was like, great, and sort of committed to moving down here. And then she was like, No, nah, I renewed my contract. I'm staying in Germany. So oh, you were just left all on your own. Ah, <laughs> a friend of mine had like a a room that like she wasn't going to charge me money for and didn't for like a couple of years so a couple of years a couple of years what were you doing instead of paying money uh getting stoned drinking alcohol and going to comedy open mics nice and doing dumb stuff like starting the original version of this podcast to get to know people that i wanted to get to know better instead of developing what you might call social skills or networking <laughs> no, skills. podcasting has replaced social skills for uh, a lot of people. Certainly, most of all those people are most of the dudes. people we know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, you know, it's also podcasting seems to replace, you know, being particularly funny for a lot of people, career-wise. Hmm. I mean, I, I, the medium kind of has been associated with comedy in this way, hmm. and I kind of don't. It's, it's. I mean, I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, to be honest. Sure. Who, who does? I'm kind of like, well, I only listen to them on like road trips. Like, are y'all just sitting, sitting down and listening to podcasts, like in your house? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I mean, people have commutes, you know, chores, maybe. I don't know what people do. I guess so, but I, I, I do wonder about that. I'm like, because, you know, like, you'll sit down to watch a movie or TV or whatever, but, like, I just don't do that with podcasts. There's a lot of things you know, I do that other people don't understand. That's fair. Uh, same. Or, like, <laughs> I think we, we were messaging once about going to movies by yourself. Yeah. Oh, I love like doing that. a chief pastime of... Just and maybe podcasts are that for other people, but yeah, man, I saw everything everywhere all at once. Everybody's talking about it. You haven't seen it. Everyone's loving it. I have not seen it. I want to see it. I might go see it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where like so many different friends are trying to go see it and like making loose plans. I'm like, I should just go see it by myself. I just knocked it out on my own yesterday. You know, why am I? Why I gotta wait for all these bing bongs to get it together? (laughs) <laughs> waiting on other people to go to the movies. That's where you went wrong, right there. Were you uh, 
were you um, part of the whole movie pass yeah, era? Of course. Oh, oh, I have dreams about it. I saw every movie, everything, everything. everything. It, it, there was like a good six months. Yeah, they were so beautiful. It was so nice. And then it just started crumbling. Oof, I remember that first like week. It like didn't work or something. Yeah, it went from like, Ugh. hey, actually, only these movies at, at only these times at only these theaters that are really far away from you. And now we're just not a company anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't, I can't believe that really happened. Yeah, it's like we all suffered a weird collective hallucination of like, remember when life was good? <laughs> <laughs> and even even like you get the you got the thing in the mail. You're like, this is a real debit card that I hit a little boop boop on my phone, and they put money on it and just buy the ticket for me. It was like that's their whole business model. And you know, movies historically have not been this expensive. Like, even adjusting for inflation, right? Like, right, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, whenever I watch Mad Men and they talk about, like, we're going to go see all these movies and movies were, like, 25 cents and, and <laughs> even then it's only, like, $5 today. It's like, why, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> why can't I spend 5 to $7 and see every movie? That would be nice. Yeah, like, nine $10 a month, bring it back. Oh. You don't you don't have like the AMC one now or anything? I had the Alamo one uh before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, which pain. I think is like twenty dollars a month. Yeah. Which even you know, if you see two movies a month, that's already like cheaper than I was doing the AM the AMC one where it's like three movies a week. Three movies a week. That's twenty dollars a, a month. But how often are you gonna see four movies in a week? You know. I'm not gonna probably not gonna do that. I would just and I would just like take a Sunday and see like all three movies like why Whoa. not what are you at the mall you can get meals in between you oh, know that's right you have to go to the mall get on barton creek yeah that's the one i don't want i'm not going up to lake line no i'm not into the mall just as a concept <laughs> <laughs> i don't love to go shopping i'm not that's like not fun for me sure yeah so you know, if I if I have like a specific thing in mind, I want to get in, get out. You I just, don't. You don't want to be at a mall, otherwise. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so just people you don't like? I mean, sure. You know, malls. Yeah, it's kind of the same reasons why I don't like the airport. Like, it's a mm. bunch of people who don't know which side to walk on, bumping into you. They're on their phone, looking at the floor. Sure. There's people, you know, do you need help? Can I help you find anything? No, don't talk to me. I. <laughs> Who's talking to you? Sales, sales people talk to you. If you need anything, let me know. I'm like at, at the airport? Oh, I'm sorry, at the mall. Oh, we're back at the mall. <laughs> at the mall. No, I wish, uh, I would love some help at the that airport. Is, that please. is, I will grant you, because like the people, I feel like it's bad enough that people have to like work at the Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've worked retail. The mall seems like a particular hell. Yeah. But it's the people at the things in the aisles. In the middle of the, the you know, like they had the T-Mobile stand. I'm like, oh, what a fate worse than death. You have no privacy. Oh, yeah. You got to make that like either either they're trying to be a salesperson, they come at you, or you just have this moment of like the saddest eye contact with the, the person at the T-shirt stands. It's like a person zoo. Yeah, malls, I mean, just, you know, the symbol of consumerism and just capitalist hell, you know, <laughs> it's just the whole thing. Just, I don't know, make them into hospitals or or affordable housing or yeah. something. Some sort of, yeah, just wellness center. Yeah. Whatever it is. Or just gut it and people can run. There are, old people are already doing little fast walks in there. You ever <laughs> see those? Gals, mall walkers. Yeah, I mean, I don't generally get up early enough to catch them. <laughs> I'm usually not get hitting the ten thirty a.m. showtimes at the at the AMC there. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, sometimes it's like 
how do you even start with any of these big picture questions like I like to ask after the pandemic and at the place that we're in as a society? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I feel pretty fundamentally changed. Yeah? Yeah. And, um, gosh, so many things are so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just about the world. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't, what do we do? What's, what's what's the point, Duncan? What's the point of, what are we doing? (laughs) I don't know. And, 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 as as cheesy as it probably is inevitable to come across, there's there's a degree to which, because like until March 2020 or whatever, I spent more than a decade of my life like never going more than a week or something without performing. Uh, yeah, just getting that full on you know rush of dopamine, whether it's my shell or even just a mic or something. And it just, it really becomes a deep down part of who you are. And then it was gone. And, you know, I was clutching at straws. You know, the world was falling apart. All the all the riots and stuff started. And now when it finally all started to come back last year, it's like, well, at least, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to have fun doing it. You know, I'm going to stop, like, ugh, like getting all up in arms about these these other podcasters without any morals and all the invaders <laughs> to the scene like especially being back and now people I'm like who cares just do your thing and we'll do our thing and nobody yeah. need be the wiser about it but I don't know it's, 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 I just like make people laugh is that that hard I hope not <laughs> <laughs> do, do not people need it more than ever hmm <laughs> Do people like comedy because they want to laugh? I ideally, but I feel like comedy especially is attracts people who just want to be critics. To I mean that's not to say that I think it shouldn't be criticized cuz I certainly <laughs> But like the way people talk about like comics are Truth tellers. And, oh my god! Yeah. And, and it's yeah. this art, this high art of you know storytelling. And it, is, I mean, you know, of course, it is an art and requires skill. And but it's comedy has been put on this weird pedestal, and I, it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I think. Laughing and, and joy and, and finding connection via via jokes is important, but like, I mean, my God, it's we're not, it's not, it's not Socrates, that, it's not that you know, or whatever, like, you know. It's, it's not. You, you don't think comedians are modern day philosophers? No. No. Well, no, not. <laughs> Because you're just hopefully talking about your life and the meaning of your life, not the meaning of life. Right. You know what I'm. You know. Yeah. I don't... yeah. Well, I feel. I feel like it's a. There's a defensiveness behind it. Like there's there's a degree to which of all the like performance arts, comedy is one that is like there's there's no barriers, right? There's no, I'm playing a song or. This is a play, or whatever the other one would be. Yeah. So I think there's that that that's just a symptom of people that are like, you know, we're truth tellers, and like, oh, we're the we're where people get their news now, or whatever their high minded thing is, because it's like, yeah, yeah, this is all John Stewart's fault. Jo- John Stewart is responsible, <laughs> arguably for more harm than good. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You said it. I don't know. <laughs> I do. I feel like I. Well, I feel like there's that's that's part of the the issue because people seem to think like just pointing out hypocrisy is like doing something. Yeah. Because of the the early Daily Show, and I'm like, no, <laughs> comedy doesn't. Comedy can help the crowd maybe think slightly differently about something if you really like work in some sort of thing that you're passionate about, and that's noble in and of itself. 
but it doesn't it doesn't accomplish anything no no I, and it shouldn't be expected to i don't think so i mean mostly just because of the high concentration of the most people who are attracted to doing stand up comedy you know what i mean i, I don't know if that's you mean like the audience is made up of a lot of people that sort of want to do it or have done it well yeah, I mean, let's think. Well, it's more like the like think about your average person who is interested in doing stand up comedy. It's um, probably a man, yeah. probably a straight man, probably a straight white man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know that these that it's get it's get you know straight white men. It just gets thrown around so much that I'm like kind of tired of talking about it. But like <laughs> comedy, anyway, at least especially in Austin, you know that's. Mostly who's doing it. That's mostly who's interested in it. That's mostly who's, I think, actively going to shows to watch and not just like they're at a bar and they happen to be there or whatever. Sure. Um. And so if these are our philosophers, if this is the population pool that we're drawing our philosophers from, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a, yeah, a great yeah, yeah, yeah. sample of people. You know, <laughs> like Not to say like, you know, it just should be, I don't know, <laughs> should be a little better. <laughs> well, I feel like it's just, it's just like, of all things, it, the one that you would hope doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. And yet, oh my there, God. There does seem to be the tendency for comedians to take themselves the most seriously. Yeah. To I the, to see, in improv, not so. Well, less so. Less so. <laughs> There are people who take improv really seriously, um, and I, I respect because it to a degree because it's more maybe like theater in that way where you're like more committed to the actual art. Well, I I actually sort of respect because I feel like improvisers take the craft a lot more seriously, in that they have like foundational texts mm-hmm. and and core principles and and like even like yes and becomes such a punchline among standups, but it's like a great philosophy that leads to creativity because it creates oh absolutely the psychological safety of not shooting down one another's ideas immediately totally like fucking assholes but i think improv is so valuable yeah um in stand to do stand-up to write to per- just performance in general i mean even just i feel like i i'm so much more confident and so much more comfortable with myself after having done improv for so long yeah and i think it's i think more people should even if you're not interested in comedy if you're not interested in pursuing it after taking classes i think i think everybody should try it i do wow (laughs) (laughs) i used to feel i used to say everybody should try stand-up comedy and i no 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 they shouldn't no don't don't give everyone a microphone that's such a bad idea But improv, you know. I, you know what? I agree. I'm glad I took uh, 101 at the New Movement a long time ago. Yeah. I learned a lot about myself as a performer and, you know, as a as a member of a group briefly for the recital. Yeah. Yeah. The and feeling, you know, the camaraderie. Helpful. Do you ever do you ever like have a scene go so well that you just get mad? This happened to me with just the one where I was like, I am mad that that cannot be recreated. Yeah. Oh, I'm all the so time. used to as a stand-up being like, okay, noted for later. Mm-hmm. Let's make this magic happen again. Yeah. How do you how do you let that go? You just do. Well, some people use improv to write sketch. Sure. You know, that's that's a really valuable kind of way to go about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe just the nature of of learning, of learning the the art form from the beginning. You just know that it's going to be temporary and and if it was really good and really special, you know, yeah, it's kind of gone forever, but you share that memory with the people who were in it. So like it exists between you kind of forever. You can always go, Hey, remember, remember that, <laughs> remember that scene? Remember that scene? <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's corny, but I would do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. People would be tired of it. I guess. Yeah. It's, it's just, maybe it's like, like there's even, I think there's just an amount of control that I don't want to give up, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it was also difficult for me to be like, I'd have a certain 
sort of way that the game of the scene was going in my head. Oh yeah, you and gotta it, let go of that. It was. It's, you gotta let go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to just let it get derailed so frequently. Yeah. How? Uh, I know it's hard. It's and it's hard. It's like it's like imagine if you were mid tweet and somebody slaps the phone out of your hand. <laughs> they should they, honestly. <laughs> they, <laughs> <laughs> I I try to utilize the drafts function as my own slapping the phone out of my own hand that way. Uh, uh, I've <laughs> I just stopped using drafts because then I would look at them all like as a group and worry about my mental health. Like, oh, my drafts are mostly just me complaining about stuff. <laughs> especially this is funny. <laughs> Especially like before I quit drinking and stuff, I'd wake up and have just like the darkest drafts. It's no good. Yeah, I was with a, I was with a friend and we were um, looking at each other's tweet drafts mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, like this one's good for me and this one's good. No, delete this. You know, just kind of helping each other like clear out the folder. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Pick out what's worth it, what's not. Or just get an objective set of eyes. Yeah. yeah. And this is like several of them, my friend would just be like, that's too dark. That's too sad. Don't, don't, that's just like, but it's, but it's true, isn't it? And she'd be like, yeah, but. Ugh, but have a little. Because <laughs> I definitely go through, you know, more depressive like episodes like we all do and. As, yeah, you know, you, you, I'm tweeting through that like so, I am everything else. So of course, sometimes they're gonna. This is what Twitter is for. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's if somebody met me only knowing that they would like only following me on Twitter, they'd be like, oh, this guy's a real, real bleak sort of. <laughs> hopefully, rye as well, but 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 just like it's just more of the darker sort of like things that I think would have been early stand-up bits that now I'm just like, well, I don't want to bum everyone out with that on stage, so <laughs> it needs a home somewhere else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've Yeah, I've definitely tweeted things that I thought were more just kind of, I don't know, uh, universal, hopefully, observations and mm-hmm. maybe read a little darker than I intended even. <laughs> 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 but That's- I do... I do wonder, like, not not that I have a ton of followers, but I, you know, there are certainly people that only follow my tweets and don't actually know me. And sure. I wonder, what you know, you think about what's your, what do people think about who I am as a person just based on my tweets? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll never know. Probably. That's better. <laughs> you could. I don't. You know. I don't hey, know. I don't know if Twitter. DM is... all, the, all my mutuals. Hey, what do you think about me? <laughs> like, you, what? You know, what kind of person do you think I am? Can you fill out a survey based on what you think <laughs> I might be like? <laughs> There's actually a couple of years ago, I had sort of Twitter befriended this local musician, and then it went to Instagram too. And she like saw a couple of my old stand up clips and liked them, and it was like, let's get coffee. And I was like, hey, that's never happened before. That's cool. And then we met up, and I was like. Oh, you're super committed to your dark Twitter persona, oh. and mine is just more of like, oh, it's two in the morning, yeah, and I'm really strung out, and the thoughts escape. But, but I mean, like you know, that's just you need you need that, you know. That's why you have friends. Yeah. Or just, you put something out there you think is a universal truth, and they go, <laughs> "Are you okay?" <laughs> it's. I try not to get too genuine on there. I mean, some people really treat it like it's their fucking diary. And I mo- I would say I I want to say maybe like 85 to 90% of my Twitter is just jokes or just weird little non-joke jokey things. Yeah. <laughs> um it's every so often I'll, I'll tweet I'll tweet something that's like real, but I try not to. Yeah, I mean, you say you, you know, there's there's a time and a place. Yeah. You know, you got save that from my alt account. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got a Finsta or something? <laughs> I was, yeah, Finsta for for Twitter. I mean, if you want to get really sincere, you 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 make a whole Facebook diatribe, or you got your Instagram stories. It's it's different person to person. Yeah. You know, but but I I don't understand people that just like get on there to get on there. It's always been 
some sort of extension of like I want to be a creative person. And yeah, these are the jokes, you know, like. Yeah, I I, I use it to to kind of workshop jokes in, in that way, and but I yeah, people who are on there to not make I'm like what what, what are you doing here? I feel like I feel like it's just there's an unsolvable riddle. Where which well you know we're on the one side of it, but but we're just like who are the people that will consume the things that we want to make if all of our dreams come true? <laughs> Should they just listen to podcasts and come to shows to laugh and not judge them? And oh. you know, I used, I used to work at Half Price Books, and a new like I'd be like, who buys a new book when they're like thirty dollars? Yeah. Oh, people like just yeah. people have money and consume things. <laughs> and I don't hang out with them too often. I talk to other comics. That's how I feel about houses. Oh. Who buys a house? Let's. I mean, like, what? of all the like, everything is irrevocably fucked conversations oh, that we can have. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't even <laughs> go there. It's gonna make me too sad. I was real. I was. I was just grateful my rent only kinda went up this year. You know. Mm-hmm. As I'm like grateful. I'm like, okay, I this Ugh. I can handle this amount of increased rent. My le- my lease is coming up. I'm just like, please, I know. please just be cool. <laughs> just, <laughs> just bloom or be a bro. Uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. You know, I, I feel like this was uh, illuminating. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, I hope uh, I hope it's been interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's not for us to say. That's true. We're the people on the other side. Yeah. That have to tweet our thoughts and make the stuff. But uh, um, this is coming out later this week. If you have any shows you want to plug, um, or uh, I don't or, really. <laughs> or people should definitely follow your aforementioned Twitter. Yes, handle. please follow my Twitter uh, at hut, hutch underscore Catherine. Mm. That's um. The main thing you don't see a lot of underscores these days well, yeah, you know? bringing it back <laughs> well i got on twitter relatively late sure i didn't get on until like 2018 so i feel like any version of my name was already taken what a what a peaceful life yeah i i miss i feel like i miss the good old days really <laughs> you probably you know i feel like twitter used to be like i many more than like i've seen other people like like uh him and uh blake is a big fan of your Twitter. You know? Yeah. I saw Mac like mention specifically. He's like, me and Jimena were talking about yeah. how your tweets are great. <laughs> and they are. And I feel like it's just like a little late in the in the Twitter game for people to blow up with any sort of Yeah, I, I think it's speed or to the to the degree that it's merited. Oh, I appreciate that. Because now all the yeah. all the all the Viralness is on TikTok, and it's you know oh, we're God. just yeah I don't even text is being left behind entirely. I don't yeah I'm not on TikTok. I don't. I'm Nobody listens to podcasts. It's like eighty year olds, you know. So, <laughs> but follow yeah follow Catherine at Hutch underscore Catherine, and uh, look for her many shows here in the Austin comedy community. You can reach the podcast at sincere tweets at gmail dot com. I'm a Duncan Carson most places. And if you live in Austin, I host a show called Sure Thing every Friday at the Fallout Theater. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you, Catherine, once again for being here. Thank you.